flames up Driving when the sun goes down The hum of 18 wheels Lord, that's a lonely sound I spend all day Chasing that old white line I've been on the road so long I've lost track of time Now it don't matter where I'm going I just gotta drive I have the white line fever till the day that I died I said 18 wheels rolling on the road It is my life 18 wheels rolling on the road It is my life gotta see I gotta look around I got diesel smoke rolling from two chrome stacks my address is 408 414 a big blue mag now it don't matter where I'm going I just gotta drive I have the white line fever to the day that I die I said hey This is Chaplain Gary Rayburn, and the road is my life, and the road is your life, too, isn't it, Daryl Spencer? It sure is. Yeah, it man, sure we is. just love this road out here when we get to ride around in these large cars. I know it, and we're in a large car right now. i tell you how large it is. This driver's got a jacuzzi tub back here in the bunkhouse. It's <laughs> a jacuzzi? Yeah. Are, are you sure his waterbed didn't break? It, well, that could be. I didn't think about that. But no, it's a jacuzzi and a waterbed. And you cool. ought to see this lava light he's got back here, Gary. Lava light. I tell you, this guy's been in the 70s way too long, and he's got all this shag carpeting on the ceiling. I don't know. This is an old truck, Gary. Wow. I, I, I'm speechless. <laughs> but I'm proud to ride with this truck driver. Today we have... A story about the Titanic. Oh man, I'll tell you, this is one of the most requested messages that we have at Lonesome Road Ministry. It's uh, James Payne, and James happens to be a very good friend of yours, Daryl. He's a good friend of mine too, though. Yes, he is. <laughs> yes, he is. And, and I was there the day that he brought this message to our church. I think about it often because it's so true in the way that he portrayed what happened on this terrible disaster uh, really brings it home to me uh, how serious this was and what happened that night when that ship went down. Yeah, uh, people that get a hold of this CD out on the road and they call us and they request more copies of this message because it is such a powerful message and it affects everybody that hears it and they want to share it with their family their friends, and their neighbors. And we'd be glad to send you some copies of this if you'll just give us a call. James Payne is a student of the Titanic. He studied it. He's read up on it. He's got original newspaper clippings, and he'll tell you this in this message. So if you're interested in the Titanic and one of the worst disasters in maritime history, you're going to really enjoy this message today. Amen. But we're going to make you wait about three or four minutes because I got a James Payne song that I want to put on before we get into the message. 
Have you ever felt like giving up, throwing in the towel, calling it quits when the chips were down, when your back's against the ropes and they're counting you out, you gotta dig down deep and fight another round, turn another stone, dig another well. Climb another mountain Cause you never can tell What's around the bend When you keep moving on When you're down on your luck Get back up Turn another stone Tough times don't last But tough people do when things break down, you gotta break through. There's gonna be some heartaches, there's gonna be some pain, but there's always sunshine after the rain. So turn another stone, dig another well, climb another mountain, cause you never can tell. What's around the bend When you keep moving on When you're down on your luck Get back up Turn another stone Turn another stone Dig another well Climb another mountain Cause you never can tell What's around the bend when you keep moving on When you're down on your luck Get back up Turn another stone When you're down on your luck Get back up Turn another stone Alright friends, I know you enjoyed that song by James Payne and now we have that message for you. This Many people call this the Titanic message. I get calls from all over the country saying, hey, can I get some more copies of that Titanic message? Well, yes you can. All you got to do is give us a call here at Lonesome Road Ministries and we'll be glad to send them to you. We'll give you our phone number here at the end of the program, but right now, here's James Payne. The Lord's laid on my heart to preach tonight, uh, and I've been preaching that this year, uh, seeing the invisible and doing the impossible. You know, if God could open your spiritual eyes this morning, you would see angels around this place. When you raised your hand and started singing, praise God, the angels were here singing right along with you. If that don't excite you, then this ought to make you run. The Bible said where two or more gathered together in his name. He is in the midst of them. So if you could open your spiritual eyes for just a moment, Jesus is here. Oh, you don't believe that. Jesus is here. And he's here to bring breakthrough and change in your life. I think we ought to praise him one more time. I think we ought to tell him how much we love him. If you have your Bibles today, we're going to turn for two verses of Scripture. In the next 30 minutes, I want to tell you what Hollywood did not tell you about the Titanic. I have been preaching this message for over 35 years. I preached it years before the movie was made. And the Bible said in 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish. I want to call your attention to that one word, perish. 
but that all should come to repentance. In John 3.16, a very familiar scripture to the church, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God's priority with humanity is that we not perish. The night of the 14th of April, 1912, is a night that history cannot forget. It lives in all eternity because it was on that night at 11.40 p.m. the greatest maritime disaster in history took place. It was a starlit night on a calm sea 300 miles from the coast of Newfoundland that the greatest ship ever constructed hit an iceberg at full speed. There was a scraping noise, a jarring sensation, and this ship, reputed as unsinkable, began to sink into the icy blue waters of the Atlantic. The report said this, 2,240 souls were on board. 715 were saved. And 1,522 perished. I want to suggest to you there were five mistakes made by those who perished on the Titanic. And those five mistakes are being made by those today that will perish without the Lord Jesus Christ. Hollywood spent over $200 million bringing this epic story to the big screen. It was a powerful movie. It was number one at the box office for 17 weeks. It grossed over $2 billion around the world. It was nominated for 14 Oscars and won 11 because there was something about this story that went deeper than just a ship sinking. Hollywood did not tell us that 14 years before the Titanic left port, a man by the name of Morgan Robertson wrote a novel called The Titan. In this novel, there was a ship just like the Titanic, larger, most luxurious ever built. Just like the Titanic, it hit an iceberg on a cold night in April, and over 1,500 people perished because of an insufficient number of lifeboats. And just like the Titanic, it was labeled unsinkable. Hollywood did not tell you that this is the only ship known to ever sink by hitting an iceberg. Hollywood didn't tell us about what was going on in 1912. On both sides of the Atlantic, there was Holy Ghost revival. Churches were packed night after night after night because God started a revival in Wales that spread around the world. The church was making headlines. People were being delivered and born again. And a group of businessmen got together and decided that they would take the attention of God and put it on the Titanic. I want to read to you a, an excerpt from one of the sermons that was preached two weeks before the Titanic sailed. It said, If the builders of the Titanic had faith in Almighty God, 
they would know they could never produce anything that would not crumble at the touch of God's hands. Hollywood didn't tell us there was a prophet who went to the White Star office and told them I had a dream and if this ship leaves port, it will be with much destruction and the loss of many lives. And they laughed at him and they said, man, don't you know that the Titanic is an unsinkable ship. This was an attitude that existed in the world when the Titanic was built. I have copies of every newspaper that carried the story of the Titanic. I've been studying it for 35 years. This one is the Boston Daily Globe, and it dated back to 1912. This is an original. It's weathered and beaten because I've carried it all over the world. A newspaper in that day cost two cents. I have cassette tapes of personal interviews of people that were in the lifeboats. They were given to me by the Titanic Historical Society in North Carolina. And I've listened to all of the bone-chilling stories that they told about what happened that night. The voyage of the Titanic was one of the most advertised events of that day. It was a social gathering of the most elite. The guest list read like the Fortune 500. John Jacob Astor was the world's richest man worth $150 million. Benjamin Guggenheim of American Refining, worth $95 million. Isidore Strauss, the founder of Macy's, worth $50 million. J. Bruce Ishmay, worth $40 million. The Titanic was called the Millionaire Special. $500 million of net worth just in first class alone. But you know, in all of my study and all of my reading, I've discovered something. Death and destruction does not check your financial statement before it comes. Kings die just like the trash man. The Titanic was an amazing vessel in that day. It cost $7.5 million to build. That's equivalent to $600 million today. And let me tell you how I know that. They just built Titanic II. It was supposed to sail in 2016. They pushed it back to 2018. A first-class ticket, and you were given a boarding pass when you walked in the sanctuary today, and I have uh, what is the equivalent to the boarding passes when the Titanic was built. A first-class ticket in 1912 would cost you $4,300. A ticket on the Titanic II, they're going for $1.2 million. I don't know about you, but they couldn't give me $1.2 million to get on it. It had seven decks, 159 furnaces, 29 boilers. It generated 50,000 horsepower. The rudder was six stories high. One of the links in the anchor chain weighed 175 pounds. It took 20 horses just to move the anchor of the Titanic. It was a phenomenal vessel. It had swimming pools, gymnasiums, casinos, dance halls, saloons. It had, it had uh, the finest casino. It had the drink of the day. In first class, there was 20,000 bottles of beer. There was 1,500 bottles of the finest wine and 8,000 imported cigars just in first class. 
Because you see, all the money in the world don't satisfy people who don't know Jesus. You got to have something to help you get through the day. Am I right? Now, even the name Titanic defies God because it came from Greek mythology. And it means the strongest of all gods. The Titanic was called the ship of dreams. But it turned into a vessel of nightmares. It promised pleasure. It delivered pain. It promised security. It delivered sorrow. It promised safe destination. But it delivered death. The first mistake made by those who perished, they believed the builders who constructed the Titanic, and they believed that they could defy God, that God no longer had a say in their affairs. They didn't care about the revival. They didn't care about the preaching. They didn't care about what was going on all over the world as God was pouring out His Spirit. So they decided that they would build a vessel like no other vessel before. Hollywood alluded to the fact that the Titanic was unsinkable. She is the largest moving object ever made by the hand of man in all history. And our master shipbuilder, Mr. Andrews here, designed her from the keel plates up. Well, I may have knocked her together, but the idea was Mr. Ismay's. He envisioned a steamer so grand in scale and so luxurious in its appointments that its supremacy would never be challenged. And here she is, willed into solid reality. Can I read to you what was really said? This is an excerpt from one of the newspapers that I have. We, the builders and designers of the Titanic, have become masters of our own destiny. The captains of our own fate. No longer will, be, will we be afraid of the elements and no longer will we fear the uncertainty of the oceans or the dark seas. But through our intelligence and our wisdom, we are able to conquer our universe and not even God can bring us down. The Bible said in Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction. 13,000 feet below the dark waters of the Atlantic, there's a rusty coffin that took 1,522 people to their death. It remains there as a monument to arrogance, a tombstone to pride, and a memorial to the power of God. Now, allow me to digress for just a moment. How many go through life every day thinking they don't need God? All the bills are paid, the body is healthy, the marriage is strong, the kids are in college, so we really don't need God. Now, we need church because church makes us feel better, and that's why we only come on Sunday morning because, you see, we just need a fix. And we come and feel our place, but even in the praise, we stand and wonder what's going on. But I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. One of these days, you're going to need God. One of these days, the only thing that's going to count is not your bank account or, or, or your a prestigious life. The only thing that's going to count is God. There's some things that, that are going to happen in your life, and you're going to need God. Now, the second mistake that was made by those who perished and by I want to remind you God's not willing that any should perish if you die and go to hell it's not because uh, God wanted you to go to hell it's because he put churches on every corner and preachers to preach the gospel and give all the cost you just kept pushing him away because you didn't want him to invade your life you didn't want him to come in and start putting his finger on your life and tell you this needs to change in your life so if you perish it's not God's fault if you come to river of life and you perish it's not river of life's fault it's your fault Uh, the second mistake they made is they, they believe theory over facts. And, and, and let me just say here, uh, in the religious world, there's a lot of theory. 
And, and I've heard the theory. Well, uh, you know, a good God wouldn't send anybody to hell. And, and you know, all I got, I just, I'm a good person. I'm going to tell you, going to be a lot of good old boys in hell. Going to be a lot of good old girls in hell. Well, he'd give you the shirt off his back. Yeah, but would he give his soul to Jesus? You see, you don't hear preaching like this anymore. Come on, people tell me all the time I'm old-fashioned. I said, so is water. But you die without it. See, there's a lot of theory today that, you know, just be uh, as good as you can be and, you know, and just do the best you can. No, this Bible said, and the Bible's facts, John 3, 3, you must be born again. This Bible says you must repent of your sins. You must come to Jesus. You must deny all other gods and make Jesus the Lord of your life. You must say no to sin and no to sinning and yes to Jesus and yes to the cross. You must come to Christ. Theory won't count at the end. Now, theory said 882 and a half feet of steel weighing 66,000 tons traveling at 24 knots creates 947,000 pounds of pressure per square foot. It can cut through anything. The side of the Titanic is six feet of solid steel. In order for it to sink, you have to tear a hole in the side of it 440 feet. That's impossible. But nobody told the iceberg. These arrogant, egotistical men forgot to tell the iceberg their theory. You see, man built the Titanic. God built the iceberg. The iceberg was 100 feet thick, or 100 feet high, 1,800 feet thick. And they say it was formed beginning 1,000 years before Christ. And just in case you're keeping score, it's iceberg one, Titanic zero. And there's a lot of great so-called preachers and prophets living in this day, and they've got theory, and they preach their theory, and they build great crowds, and they sell thousands of books. But listen to me, unless it's Jesus as the only way to heaven, unless it's the cross of Christ as the only way to be delivered and set free, unless it is the blood that washes away sin, it doesn't matter in that last day. It's only theory. And when theory meets fact, it's iceberg one, Titanic zero. The third mistake they made they did not prepare for disaster. You see, you go through life and you think nothing bad will ever happen. You know me. I come to church here. I've been coming to church here for years. I never dreamed in a million years that two years ago, the woman I've been married to 47 years would go to heaven. It was the darkest time of my life. And I, don't, I would not have made it had I not been prepared. You see... Good things happen to bad people. It rains on the just and the unjust. The difference is when the rain stops and the wind stops blowing and the sun comes out, if you're built on the Word of God, you're still going to be standing. Come on. If you build on religion or you build on sand or you build on theory, then your house is going to be rocked. But if you're built on the Word of God, it don't matter what comes in your life. It doesn't matter what hell throws at you. When all the smoke clears, you're still standing strong on the Word of God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hollywood did not tell you that only one out of three on the Titanic could have been saved. 
there were only 20 lifeboats. There were 16 wooden ones. There were four collapsible. None of them had compasses. And only three of them had lamps or light. They were not prepared for disaster. The lifeboats had a capacity of 58 people. And out of the 2,240, only 1,160 could have been saved if every lifeboat was filled to capacity. The plan for the Titanic called for 48 lifeboats. But the explanation was, why do we need them? This is an unsinkable ship. Sounds like people today, why do we need this old time religion? Why do we need revival? Why do we need this kind of preaching? Why can't we just have a 30 minute social service and drink coffee and talk about, you know, sports and, and, and why, why do we have to have revival because every one of us are prone to ungodliness and every one of us are prone to carnality and we need some time to come to the house of God and have our hearts stirred and get to the altar and say God I gotta change things gotta change in my life I don't think I'm preaching to any angels this morning I don't see any halos glistening in the light You know, Captain Smith was 62 years old. This was his last voyage. He was going to retire after this voyage. He came out of semi-retirement to captain the Titanic because it was such a special occasion. Captain Smith didn't know that would be his last voyage. He canceled the lifeboat drill on April the 14th. On uh, the morning of the 14th, he canceled. As he said, it's not necessary. We're on an unsinkable ship. No, thank you, Pastor, for having revival. There's a lot of pastors I call today. You know what they tell me? We don't have revivals anymore. It's all we can do to get people to come out on Sunday morning. I'd close the church down. I'd make it into something useful. <laughs> the fourth mistake they made, they ignored every warning. Remember, God doesn't want anyone to perish. Eight warnings came from three different ships. The first came from the Rappahannock at 10.30 a.m. in the morning. The third came from the Athenia at 1.40 2 p.m. in the afternoon. The fifth came from the Masaba at 9.40 p.m. 6, 7, and 8 came. The last one at 11 p.m. It was sent by a man named, it was sent by a man by the name of, of Phillips and, uh, or sent by a man by the name of Evans, received by a man by the name of Phillips. And he'd been getting these warnings all day long. And he told the man who gave him one at 11 o'clock, he said, shut up. I don't want to hear that anymore. I heard it all day long. Kind of reminds me of people today. I don't want to hear about Jesus anymore. I don't want to hear about the coming of the Lord. I've been listening to that since I was a child. He hadn't come yet. Well, get ready, honey, because he's about to come. This world's in the worst mess it's ever been in, and this Bible is true. First Thessalonians 4.16 says the Lord's going to descend out of heaven. There's going to be a shout and the voice of an archangel. Dead graves are going to open up. Dead are going to come forth. We which are alive and remain to be caught up to meet him in the air. It's about to happen. This world's never been in a mess like this. And man, I'm telling you, it don't take but about five minutes of the presidential debates to let you realize it is in a mess. We're talking about people to lead this country. It, it's, it, it has to be the Lord, you know, getting ready to come. Uh, I wonder how many people sitting here today you've told people to shut up when they told you about Jesus. You know, even after they hit the iceberg and the warning came to the people that they'd hit the iceberg and that they were going down, someone offered John Jacob Astor, the richest man in the world, 
a life vest. And here was his response. I don't think I will need that. I'm the richest man in the world. How many of you remember those four smokestacks on that ship? One of them fell on the richest man in the world. People returned to the casinos. They returned to gambling. They returned to dancing. The band had to know 309 of the most popular songs of that day, and they kept playing. Did you know that a lot of people went back into the workout facility and started working out? Not me. If I'm going down, I'm going to be at the buffet. I've been watching what I eat all my life. If, it, if I'm going down and, and it's, a, it's inevitable, yeah, I'm at the buffet. Some people, I couldn't believe this, but some people, they went back in and they went to bed and went to sleep. And how many of you find that hard to believe? Well, why is that so difficult when people today are asleep to the things of God and they're asleep to the coming of the Lord and they're asleep to the things, you know, that God is trying. Come on, don't look at me like that. Come on, don't go to sleep in the midst of chaos. It's time, the Bible said, for the church to wake up. It's time for the believer to wake up. There's a devil trying to take over this world. There's a devil trying to take our families, take our kids. Come on, take our churches. We need to wake up, shake ourselves and my God, I'm not gonna let this happen. The fifth and final thing that I'll say to you in closing today, the mistake, the fifth mistake that was made is they put off their decision of getting in the lifeboat until it was too late. Forty-five minutes after the Titanic hit the iceberg, the first lifeboat was put into the water and they could only get 12 people to get in it. Although it held 58. The second was lifeboat number eight and only 28 people would get in that lifeboat. And then lifeboat number 13. And I find this humorous. It left with two people in it, and they were both crew members. Because people said, that's unlucky. Now, I'm on a sinking ship. I've just been to the buffet for the last hour while they lower that lifeboat. I don't care what the number is. But you know something ironic? They were right. Lifeboat number 13 hit a piece of ice and sunk. I thought that was pretty ironic. Hollywood didn't tell you that. A lot of the lifeboats left half full. You know, when we shake our head in disbelief. Did you know every 24 hours, 138,000 people around the world die without Jesus? Did you know hundreds in, that drive by river of life every day will die and go to hell without Christ? Do you know neighbors, people you work with, the waitress at the restaurant today, did you know they will die and go to hell, right, with churches on every corner, gospel television on several channels, all over the radio, they'll die and go to hell without Jesus. Because they won't get in the lifeboat. I'm so glad. Ten minutes after ten. 1968. 37th Avenue in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I got in the lifeboat. 
I was a heroin addict, but I got in the lifeboat. I was a drunk, but I got in the lifeboat. Never did one good thing in my life, but I got in the lifeboat. And I've been in that lifeboat for over 46 years now. Hallelujah. They had a U.S. Senate hearing after the sinking of the Titanic. There's 1,100 pages of testimony, and I've read those 1,100 pages, and I took this excerpt from one of the testimonies of Major Archibald Gracie. When they asked him what kind of night it was, here's what he said. There arose the most horrible sound ever heard by mortal ears. The agonizing cries of death from over 1,000 voices. Wailing, groaning, and dying. But our text says it's not God's will for anybody to perish but that all come to repentance. And in that water that night, God had a preacher. His name was John Harper. He pastored what is now known as Harper Memorial Baptist Church in Glasgow, Scotland. The reason I know he was in the water is one of the family members of this man who was John Harper's last convert gave me his testimony that he published that I've been carrying now for 30 years. They were in a service where I preached this message and brought this and gave it to me and I want to read to you what he said. I was on the Titanic when she sank, drifting along in the icy water on a piece of debris that awful night when a wave brought Reverend John Harper of Glasgow near to me. He too was holding on to a piece of the wreck and he cried out, Man, are you saved? (laughs) No, I am not, was my reply. He answered, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved. And then the waves washed him away. But a little while later, the waves washed him back alongside of me. Not willing that any should perish. God is long-suffering. He shouted again, are you saved now? No, I replied, I cannot honestly say that I am. Once more he repeated, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Then he lost his hold and sank. And there alone in the night, with two miles of water underneath me, I believed. I am John Harper's last convert. In those last fleeting moments of our life, will we be leading people to Jesus? If it's not your priority now, it won't be your priority then. The band changed the song they were playing that night and they started playing This song, near my God to thee, near my God to thee, even though it be a cross that raiseth me, still my song shall be nearer my God to thee. There was only one lifeboat that came back that night was lifeboat number four.
This is probably much like what they saw. You see, because of the temperature in the water, a lot of people died within two minutes. Others died within 15 minutes. Lifeboat number four came back and they picked up this man whose testimony I gave you tonight. They were shining a light out into that water. And here's what they were saying. Is there anybody out there that needs help? Is there anybody out there that needs help? Is there anybody out there that needs help? I stopped by River of Life, my home church this morning, just to shine the gospel light out of this crowd. Just to tell you there's a lifeboat anchored here at the altar this morning. The Bible calls it the old ship of Zion. The hymnal has a song that says, I'm going to take a trip on that good old gospel ship. And I'm going far beyond the sky. I'm going to shout and sing till heaven rings when I'm bidding this world go. You see that? Old ship of Zion's going to leave port soon. Heaven's our destination. But I'm standing on the bow of that old ship this morning, shining the gospel light out into this crowd and asking you the same thing that the crew members of lifeboat number four asked the ones in the water that cold, dark night. In 1912. Is there anybody out there that needs help? Father, don't let a soul under the sound of my voice this morning, whether they be in this service or where they be watching by DVD or listening by CD, don't let a soul under the sound of my voice perish die and go to hell without making you the Lord of their life. Would the church stand this morning? That old ship of Zion is here at this altar. The Lord's reaching out His hand to those who have fallen away from Him. Let things come in between you and the Lord. You're not lost, but you're just cold. You're not lost. You've just grown religious and going through a routine. And he's reaching out to those who have not ever made Jesus the Lord of their life. He's reaching out to those who have made mistakes. And he's saying it's time to get on board. You see the lifeboat. The lifeboat's here now. I want to ask you to come. If you're one of those that God's dealing with, Brother Payne, I don't want to leave like I came. I feel the conviction of the Lord. I don't want to walk out the door without having someone pray for me. If you don't know him or if you've known him and slipped away, on this first service of this revival, it'd be a great start for us just to come to the altar. Just say, I'm not where I want to be, not where I need to be. Would you pray for me? The altar's open now. The lifeboat is here. The gangplank has been let down. Would you come this morning? By the sea of Galilee Broken humanity Sat waiting 
for Jesus to pass by. The blind who could not see, the crippled and diseased, cried out for one touch from his hands. Cause just one touch from the healing hands of Jesus and sickness has to flee. There's no impossibilities. Miracles take place when out by faith for just one touch from the healing hands of Jesus. Those hands that made the mountains, those hands that made the seas, those hands that felt the nails That day at Calvary They can take away your pain And make you whole again And all it takes Is just one touch from those hands Cause just one touch from the healing hands of Jesus And sickness has to flee There's no impossibilities Miracles take place When you reach out by faith For just one touch from the healing hands Just one touch from the healing hands of Jesus And sickness has to flee There's no impossibilities Miracles take place When you reach out by faith For just one touch the healing hands of Jesus Just one touch from The healing hands of Jesus Drivers, as Pastor James said, the altars are open. We're going to ask the question, is there anybody out there is there anybody out there that needs help? Gary and I, or Pastor James, aren't the answer. The answer is Jesus. So we'd be more than happy to stand with you at the altar this morning. If you're serious about changing your life and being saved from the sin that you're in, then we'd love to pray with you. And if you're ready to do that and commit your life to Jesus, all you have to do is a simple prayer, driver. Jesus, I know you died for me. I want to live for you, and I ask that you forgive me of my sins. Accept me as your child, and I will live for you for the rest of my life. Lord, I need you, and I'm drowning in this sea of sin. And Lord, I just, it's dark where I'm at. And you said that if we come unto you, that we'll see the light and that we'll be in the light. So we're asking you right now, Lord, to save my soul. Come into my heart. Drivers, if you prayed that prayer, you're in the lifeboat. You're on the old ship of Zion. We're so proud for you. We'd love for you to call us and let us know that you've made this decision. And if you don't call us, call somebody. But you can call me at 
663-3199, or you can call my good friend, Chaplain Gary Rayburn at 618-383-2107. Drivers, when Pastor James was giving that altar call and asking, is there anybody out there? They turned the lights off in the sanctuary, and he shined a spotlight out over the crowd. Man, that just got my attention. And that's what's happening to you today. Is there anybody out there that needs help? The spotlight is on you. All you got to do is call, call out to Jesus, and he will save you and put you in that lifeboat. And drivers, my friend... Gary Rayburn has a song and testimony called At the Foot of the Tree that Dennis McKay uh, recorded for Gary and did an awesome job. And just like Gary Rayburn, if you said that prayer, then you've got a testimony. So let's go to the foot of the tree. Without hope, 18 wheels of lonesome at the end of the road. In my hand was a track the preacher had read, his words still echoing in the back of my head. I felt so ashamed when I thought of my past. Then I called his name This chance would it be my last Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus At the foot of the cross Brokenhearted and lonesome, so long I've been lost. I left a lifetime of misery at the foot of the tree. Those eighteen wheels are rolling. That old lonesome road And I shared the good news Wherever I go Yes, there's been a change I'm not the man I used to be Pittsburgh rolling down that Easter Seaboard. I got my diesel turned up and she running like never before. Well, there's a speed zone ahead, alright, but I don't see a cop in sight. Six days on the road and I'm gonna make it on tonight. I got me ten forward gears and a Georgia overdrive. No pills, cause my eyes are open wide. I just passed the Volvo and a white. I've been passing everything inside. Six days on the road, and I'm gonna make it on tonight. I'll take it home. My law goes way behind Nothing bothers me 
tonight I can dodge all the scales, alright Six days on the road and I'm gonna make it on tonight Well, my rig's a little low, but that don't mean she's slow There's a flame from a stack and the smoke blowing black as coal Well, my hometowns are coming in sight And if you think I'm happy, you're right Six days on the road and I'm gonna make it home tonight Yeah, man. 